Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah, that's YYZ, motherfuckers. Why is it that every time you do that, I then I have to say your name? Can't you say I'm like Ian Wadley? Why do you make me work? Because I need no introduction. It's Ian Wadley. Hello. All How's right. Now it's time to review January 1st, 1980. I believe it's the very first album released in 1980 or maybe uh, at the same time. Well, my notes say January 14th. You're wrong. Okay, bye. Uh, January 1st, 1980, the first, uh, the Rush album, Permanent Waves, and, and Ian, who do we have with us to, uh, review this record? Oh, only our most popular guest, Bam Bam Bam, Bill Wang is here with us today. Hey, 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 good morning from San Francisco, brothers, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, place to be diddly dee, bam. And yeah, January 1st, 1980 was on a Tuesday. And January 14th, 1980 was on a Monday, so I think it was January 1st. This Bam. must be the, the Canadian release date. Yeah, I don't know, but... Uh. Well, because Canadians are part French, so they're a little slow. <laughs> Bam. You heard it here first. Racism. White power! <laughs> French Justin power! Ch- Justin Childers will be here next week. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> to, do, to discuss segregation and why it's going to affect your taxes. <laughs> Come oh, on, man. he just lost his mom. <laughs> yeah. And hey, Black Wong is very, very, very powerful. <laughs> that fucking hua. She's keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh. That's a snicker licker from way back. Ouch. Hello. You think she ever had a Kansas City hot plate? Oh, multiple. I believe she had a Baltimore oven. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, Bill, why don't you tell us the first time you, uh, well, you even heard of Rush. Oh, man, yeah. uh, Just thinking about this whole process, the whole, that year, 1980, the magical year. And, you know, it's totally, I mean, this was basically my introduction to Rush, even though, um, I had an older friend. I've mentioned him without name on previous episodes. Four years older than me, it turned me on to older, you know, bands that I wasn't into, and this was one of them. And I believe the summer pre- previous of this coming out would have been summer of '79. He played me "2112," 12 and you know, it was like I, it didn't pique my interest. It's like, oh, this is too weird for me. So when "Permanent Waves" came out, this was my shit, you know, and and um. And it's so crazy because, uh, you know, being introduced to Rush with this album, it's like, you know, and you were not knowing the back catalog. And then I went to the back catalog and then I realized how different the albums were, you know, and they were just like, wow, you know, and with Permanent Ways, all the influences and the new sounds. And obviously they were listening to bands like Police and they wanted to um, expand their sound to make it, you know, for a bigger audience. You know, and uh, 
But yeah, that was the shit. That was permanent ways, man. That was when it all, you know, if I'm going to be honest, that's when it all started for me personally. And ever since then, they've become, you know, they're one of my top five bands. The same top five bands in 1980 are still my top five bands in 2017. Well, what so. are your top five bands, if I may ask? Kiss, Rush, uh, Judas Priest, Van Halen, and ACDC. Nice. Yeah, Metallica is number six. Sometimes I piggyback them on five with ACDC, but no, 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 no. That, that I, I give those older, you know, bands the, you know, a little bit more of the respect and everything. But yeah, that's my top five, and they've been the same since 1980. But yeah, this is a very personal record. I have memories galore of this, you know, and, and um, that's which we will discuss. But yeah, that's uh, my introduction to Rush. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I believe mine. Uh, my, I'm very, I'm very hazy, but I knew Rush. I did know Rush before Permanent Waves because <clears throat> back in the day, HBO. I had HBO way back then, <clears throat> and uh, actually, I, I, uh, I remember watching HBO in a hotel where my parent, me and my parents, went on vacation somewhere. That was the first time I ever saw HBO. And what HBO would do between movies, they'd play videos, and what, the videos they would play was Xanadu and The Trees and plus other bands that I can't remember at the moment. And uh, I believe, I believe that's the first time I ever saw Rush. Now, I can't tell you what's the first Rush album I bought, but I'm pretty sure I had Farewell to Kings before. I know I had a Rush album, but I can't remember which one. But Permanent Waves was the very first Rush album I bought when it was new. Uh, but right. I did own something prior to that. And I think it was um, either that or Hemispheres, one of the two. And um, yeah, I, I bought I bought this album uh, due to uh, Spirit of the Radio because I, I love that song so much, and I would hear it on the radio, and I'd be like, "Fuck, dude, I gotta get this record." And and it was very well promoted back then. Rush was, you know, not like you know, moving pictures exploded them, but they were very well known. They were. I remember they played the Sportatorium on this tour, but I couldn't go because of my parents. And Saxon opened. Ooh, wow. Yeah, man. That would have been wow. a nice show to go to. Even though I did see the next tour, and I saw the next tour, Saxon came to Miami uh, on Denim and Leather with Triumph, and I saw Moving Pictures twice. Uh, technically, wow. I saw it twice because I saw it at the Hollywood Sportatorium. Then I won tickets to go see him in Lakeland on the K-102 party bus. And I went with my brother, and me and my brother smoked a lot of weed before the fucking bus showed up. Manny! Yeah, me and my brother Manny. We smoked a lot of weed before the, the bus showed up. My friend Yai gave me, uh, lent me his binoculars. This, this is so old school, dude. When you would take binoculars to shows because, you know, you'd have nosebleeds so you can see the show. I remember seeing the Mob Rules tour and this fucking burnout next to me goes, Hey, man, is it cool I can use your binoculars during Iron Man? <laughs> So, so I took, and but when we got to the lake, oh, oh I'm, I'm leaving a lot of part out. We get on the bus super stoned. We're fucking high. Lakeland's a good, I don't know, three, four hour drive. And uh, we're in the bus and all of a sudden I'm smelling weed. I'm like, what the fuck? And on the front of the bus was the DJ, a chick. And I shit you not, her name was Randy Rhodes. True, true story. She was a DJ called Randy Rhodes. And uh, she was smoking weed in the front. We're like, whoa, dude. And then the dudes next to us had hash. And uh, we were passing them weed. They passed us hash. 
And then the party bus stops at a fucking convenience store and comes out with a keg of beer. And we were all drinking on the bus. And the and the and the bus driver was terrified. Well, by the time we got to Lakeland, I was so shit faced. I lost my brother. I was alone, and I passed out on the floor. Cause when we got into Lakeland, we turned. It turned out it was general admission, so I didn't have to be nosebleeds. So I get on the fucking floor. But the next thing I know, some guy's waking me up on the floor. I'm like, what the hell? And somebody stole the fucking binoculars. And I was like, uh oh, those are my friend's binoculars. So, uh, well, I just got off him. So, so yeah, that's my Rush story. I, I can't mm. tell you my first Rush album, but I, I'm almost positive I had one before uh, this one, uh, Permanent Waves. Ian? Mm. Well, uh, much like you, uh, we have so much in common. I first heard Rush in a hotel room with my mother. Uh, you know, because much like you, you know, as young kids, we would work the door. And take the money yeah. as as the customers came in. Yeah, uh, but I didn't know it was Rush. I, I I knew the songs. I knew Spirit of Radio. Uh, I knew Tom Sawyer, but I, I didn't know it was Rush. I just knew it from songs I heard on the radio. But uh, my first like true experience to Rush right before I turned sixteen. Uh, one of my best friends of all time, Mike Zeller. His birthday was in February. Uh, of 1990 so that's when he turned 16 and he, and when he got his car i mean it was a big thing because we lived in not only like the suburbs but the suburbs of the suburbs we lived in the sticks and he came and picked me up on a school day and to go into the city was a was a huge fucking deal and he had rush presto on cassette and we just listened to it over and over and over and and I fucking loved it, but it, it's almost like a muscle memory thing. Like every time I hear that album, which I love every single track, uh, I just remember like being not on the edge of 17, but on the edge of 16 <laughs> and, and driving around in this little bitch car, listening to this on, on the cassette deck and uh, a sense of freedom, a, a sense of like, you know, you're a man now, even though you're not really a man, but you felt like a man. Because you're driving around without your parents, you know, you're going to the city on a school night, you know, shit like this was a, was a huge deal. And it was amazing. And later on uh, that year, both of us would go see the Presto Tour and it'd be our, our first Rush show. And my cousin was supposed to drive us to the show. My cousin was much older. Uh, but he had gone to see the Grateful Dead the night before and was really fucked up, probably still tripping, and called that morning and said, I'm too fucked up. I can't drive you guys because they were playing at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, uh, which is where you used to have to drive for an outdoor show in Chicago because at that time we didn't have an outdoor venue. Poplar Creek had closed and all these shows were going to Alpine Valley. And so we're freaking out. Like, how are we going to get to this fucking rush show? And at the time, my my mother was married to this horrible drug dealer named Larry, who I, I could not stand uh, but I think just like he was trying to kiss ass to my mom and kiss ass to me because we didn't get along. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to call you kids a limo. And so he ordered us a limo to drive <laughs> from the very south suburbs of Chicago to Wisconsin. And <laughs> it's kind of cool in a way. He gave, he gave a bar whore 
like a, a bag of weed. And, and this isn't like a four-finger bag. This is like an eight-finger bag of weed. This is like one of the hugest Ziploc bags you've ever seen filled with weed. Gave it to this bar whore and said, show these boys a good time. So here we are, 16, riding in a limo with this girl who was probably in her early 20s, but uh, very uh, uh, low on morals, if you say. We're getting high <laughs> in the back of this limo. We both got head. And um, and it was amazing. And the limo driver, you know, it was like a last-minute thing. So Mr. Big was the opening band. And we miss Mr. Big, but the guy, the guy's driving the limo. He pulls up to the back of the venue, and, and he's like, "I'm trying to get these boys to to the Rush show," and they must have thought we were Rush. We drove into the back of the venue, and we see Mr. Big coming off the stage, <laughs> you know, because we're in the back area. And then finally, like the guy's like, "This Rush." He's like, "No, I'm trying to get these boys to the Rush show," and they're like. You're in the wrong fucking area, asshole. So they made him turn around <laughs> and drop us off at the front of the venue. And uh, it was it was an amazing night. Uh, it was such a good show. On the Presto Tour, they had the big rabbits on both sides of the stage coming out of the hat. And, uh, and I loved it. I'll never forget this hot chick turning around. And I, I, I think she's making goo-goo eyes at me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know, because I'm feeling pretty tough because I already got head from this chick on the way to the show. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm a man now. Turns out she was looking at my friend. But then later, I was very happy because her boyfriend turned around and wanted to kill my friend. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, but uh, but man, it was, it was an amazing show, and I fell in love with Rush ever since. Uh, it took me longer to get into different eras of Rush. Uh, because I came in during the Presto era where it was more like the shorter songs and stuff like that. It was heavier than what they had just done with the horrible Power Windows and Hold Your Fire albums. But it was still like shorter, more concise songs. So when I went into the back catalog, at that time, I wasn't really fond of the long song. I just didn't have the patience, uh, you know, or appreciation for songs like Because, you know, everything was like Kiss. And cock rock and all that shit, you know, and those were very, like, short songs and to the point where Rush had these, like, epic tracks where I'm like, ah, oh, that's just, it's too fucking long. But as I grew up and matured, I was like, oh, my God, this is where it's at, you know, and, and now to this day, my favorite era of Rush is 2112 through uh, uh, a movie pictures this is my favorite favorite era of Rush by far, but I love all eras. Save uh, Power Windows and, and Hold Your Fire. Those are the only two albums I don't like. Other than that, I love every uh, fucking Rush album. Yes, I love Roll the Bones. I love Counterpoints. I, uh, Test for Echo took me some time to get into, but I love it now. Uh, Snakes and Arrows took me a little bit, but I like it now, and I love Clockwork Angels. And you know, one of the best times, even though I got my cock sucked on the way to fucking Presto, uh, and I saw the 30th anniversary tour, which was absolutely fucking amazing, uh, my favorite time seeing Rush was getting to see it with Ralph, the first time I got to meet him. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we've told the story many a times. I, I took a young boy who lost his father. It's know, a great was, story. Yeah, totally. his favorite band was Rush, and, and I was very un-Ayatollah of alcohol. I, I, I went totally sober, 
because to me it was all about taking this young boy to the show and honoring his father's request and, and showing him a good time. So I behaved myself. Uh, we got pretty fucked up after the show, <laughs> but but during the show it was amazing. And and you, you know what a lot of people probably don't understand. It's so weird to do a show like what we do. You know, with Ralph, where we talk every week. We are like great friends, but we we've only hung out together twice. You know, physically, like, been around each other. So it was a surreal experience. And you add all that up. And then we saw the incredible Rush 40 tour where they went reverse chronologically uh, in the set list and everything. And it was absolutely amazing. And and to sit next to this man, uh, you know, and have this awesome child by my side while we're watching Xanadu, (laughs) you know, was fucking, like, it doesn't get any... I didn't need to be on drugs. I didn't need to be drunk. I was fucking high on fucking Rush. And uh, and it's amazing. And we, we've done we've done more than a few Rush episodes, but we, we haven't tapped into that uh, Rush fan base. Which is weird because Rush has a fan base that's pretty much only rivaled by Kiss. As far as, like, you want to talk about some nerd fucking fans... You know, there's Kiss nerds and then there's Rush nerds, you know, where, but, you know, where a Kiss nerd is like the assistant manager at Big Lots, a Rush nerd is like a nuclear physicist, <laughs> you know, and, and, and if a Rush nerd orders a pizza, you know, a Kiss nerd delivers it, but they eat it together because neither one of them have any friends and both of their ladies are fucking a Van Halen fan. But I mean, these are passionate passionate fan bases uh, that will excuse anything. I mean, there's KISS fans that excuse The Elder, and there's Rush fans that try to tell hey, me hey, Power, hey, hey, Power hey, Windows hey. is a good album. You know, and I'm like, oh, I no. love Power. Exactly. You're both. <laughs> I love you. You no, are. The- yeah, well, I don't like Roll the Bones, and the last album I liked was Presto. Superconductor oh, is brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, so, yeah, that's I, the last I, I, Rush album you liked? That I love. That okay. I love. That I like love. the other ones, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, okay. that's the last album that fucking rocked my world. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. No, no, that's... That, it, it, hey, it's all about honesty here. On yeah, the right. Metal I mean, Combat yeah, they're my number two band, but no, I don't... I just can't... You know, Tess Frago, eh, I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely a grower for me at first. I was like, uh And I remember I worked with this guy at the time, Dwayne, and he was a huge Rush fan. And I remember when Tess for Echo came out, he was so pissed. He's like, every time I think I'm going to get a good fucking album, this shit fucking sucks. But uh, but I, I like Tess for Echo now. Uh, but I, Tess for Echo is what got me back into them. Yeah, uh, well, I, I like I said, when it, when it came out, I was like, eh. You, you know, I didn't think it was as good as Counterparts, uh, which was definitely the return to the heavier side of yeah. Rush. Uh, but... Uh, but man, I, I I just Rush is just Gene Simmons says it best in the, in the documentary. Rush is Rush, and, and either you get it or you don't. Uh, I I know a lot of people who don't like Rush because of Geddy Lee's vocals, but I think this is an important album because I think there's a definite change in his vocals on Permanent Waves. You know, a lot less of the the higher uh, helium voice. Yeah. Which, which I love, which I, I love right. like crazy, but this is more like middle of the road. Uh, you start getting s- songs at shorter lengths, more concise, radio-friendly songs, but 
by radio friendly means, uh, you know, by no means means like shitty fucking sellout. It's just a different uh, take they took, and I think it's very successful. Okay. Uh, great shit. I love Rush. Okay. I didn't mention uh, the riot, did I? No. no. Yeah. Um, when the first time I saw Rush was the movie pictures tour, and there was a riot. Um, I have a newspaper article about it too. Um, we were. What happened was Neil Peart, 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 Peart was um, <laughs> was late to the show, and I understand he was in the Bahamas, and he was trying to get a plane or some shit. But and while this all shit was going on, they wouldn't open the gates to the Sportatorium. Now the Sportatorium also had walls around it. What tour is this? Moving pictures. Okay. And. Uh, what do you call so the the crowd was getting restless you know uh, you know this is bullshit you know chanting and shit and i saw a guy because they got cops involved because they saw you know trouble was brewing i saw a guy with a two by four hit a cop over the head oh shit and then the cops threw tear gas into uh the crowd and if it wasn't for my friend claude i, I would have been trampled to death because wow. i fell and people were stepping all over me and he pulled me out of it and let me tell you something, breathing tear gas is like breathing fire. It was the worst feeling. And, and it didn't go away all night. Like, I saw that show where, you know, it felt like my my, my lungs were on fire. It, it sucked because I breathed in a lot of that shit. Anyway, so they, they you know, they dispersed tear gas. Everybody went scattering. And then uh, they ended up opening the gate finally. I guess Neil Peart showed up. And here's the ironic part. Opening band that night. Riot. Mm. I, I shit you not. The opening band was Riot. <laughs> and the How one thing, and I, and the thing that I remember that sh- that show so vividly. How it started. It started with twenty one twelve, and the first they had screens, and you saw like the star and the naked guy, and then it went into like you know it was just such a great show, and uh, I do remember them playing Beneath, Before, Between, whatever from Fly uh, Fly by Night. And they did a reggae version of um, Working Man, which was strange. Then they went into the original version. But then when they mm. were playing Working Man, reggae, I was like, what is this song? And my friend Angel Marlowe, who's there, he's like, dude, that's Working Man. I was like, oh, come on. Play the song like you're supposed to. And then they did. I was like, all right, cool. And uh, yeah, man, that was probably my favorite Rush show. Then when I saw that... One in Lakeland, which I believe was this exit stage left tour. I think they were torn for that. Because that was like maybe six months later. The, what was different about that show, I don't remember what they omitted. But I remember that show, they played Camera Eye. Which I'm not a big fan cool. of Camera Eye. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Xanadu was played at both those shows. And Jacob's Ladder, which is on this album. You know, these are like songs I never seen them play till. I mean, they never played again till uh, I went to New Orleans. They put oh. it back in the set list, but and an awesome time for that was you were there the day I got my new my stereo system delivered, my huge jumbo speaker. That and we played and amazing. we played Exit Stage Left. Yep, by by your request, you're like put on Exit Stage Left, and we sat on my patio, got fucked up, and listened to eight Exit Stage Left, and another amazing uh, memory. That's my favorite. Is that, it, uh, hold, is that the, the famous video you guys made? Uh, I don't know if we were playing it at that time, but yeah, we we made a okay. video. Yeah, I think it was in the background. It kind of <laughs> yeah. 
Well, okay. the, the, the funny thing, we listened to two things out there that day. We listened to uh, <laughs> we listened to Exit Stage Left, and we listened to uh, uh, Terrence, Terrence, Terrence and, and Mark talking about uh, the, uh, fuck the fuck out. out. <laughs> and we were laughing so hard because it was just two guys trying to convince the world how they're right and we're wrong. Oh. It was so funny how they were trying to like really come to the uh, drive in the point that we're wrong about Judgment Day. <laughs> And, and, and I, I love Terrence. I've all been, all been forgiven with Terrence, but it was so funny about how he went in this diatribe about how he had to hold back his Sammy Hagar love when he was on the podcast <laughs> you know, it was yeah. for fear of being exiled, but he was truly a Sammy Hagar fan. And now today, I love you, Terrence, but now today, again, he hates Sammy Hagar and apparently always has. Is it is is that now I don't know that you know is that hate sincere or is it just to go along? Hey man, I don't care as long as he's lying that he hates Sammy Hagar, I'm fine with that. Oh, okay, right on. I feel you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> just I, curious. I, I, I'd rather have, make you go, hmm. I'd rather have a Sammy Hagar poser hater than a, a legitimate Sammy Hagar lover. So you yes. want him to be in the closet, basically? Yeah, man, stay in the closet. Oh, okay, right on. Let's uh, let's talk about this amazing album here. Yeah. And uh, Phil Wayne, you are our very special, most popular guest. So why don't you talk about Spirit of Radio? Yeah, and I thank you so much for saying that. Um, I mean, fuck. What can you say about Spirit of the Radio? It's what most people's introduction. You know, first time they were on the radio, first time I ever, I mean, it wasn't like I was in a rush for years, but I remember specifically hearing this song on KMEL 106.1 San Francisco. And it's like, oh, wow, that band I'm just, I'm just getting into is now on the radio. It's like, what a fucking cool fucking song. It's like, you know, and he, you know, and then obviously knowing what i know now it's like but i didn't know then i thought that was the original sound then you go back to the 70s rush and it sounds nothing like well there's a lot of elements but you could just tell there's a big change and you could tell that this you know the reggae the you know the obviously they were listening to the police but it's a uplifting song it's a fucking awesome song i mean it's overplayed as we all know but it's it's fantastic and um yeah, it's great. I still love it, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Ralph? Yeah. Uh, listening to the song, it, it, you can tell it's a conscious effort for them to get on the radio. That's why Bill first started on the radio. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm very hazy of that time. I, I, I'm thinking in my head that I did hear the trees on the radio before the song came out, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, this, this album, like this song... It still has the comp, the complex shit later on, like, but I think uh, it, it was very toned down, like from Hemispheres, because Hemispheres they just took it as far as they could. Right. But this amazing guitar intro, and then the band kicking in, makes this a stone cold classic. And genius lyrics of what goes on behind the scenes at radio stations, if you're really listening to the lyrics, it's pretty much marketing and everything that goes on, and uh, and also the radio itself. Uh, you know the digital airwaves, uh, and seeing this song live uh, when they say concert halls, uh, yeah. they would shine a big light, and the whole place would erupt, and it would give it the same vibe as the actual record. You know, to hear the crowds cheering, 
uh, when they would have the. It was always cool to see that part live, and uh, and and uh, the lyrics have a play on words uh, from Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, the song, the song "Sound of Silence," where it says uh, the words of the prophet were uh, written on the subway wall, and mm-hmm. Rush changed it to the studio wall. I don't know if you guys uh-huh. knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, no, because I Simon hate Simon and Garfunkel. Oh my god, I love them. I love Simon and Garfunkel. I like Garfunkel solo. I just Garfunkel's got the better voice. I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, I, I love uh, I love this song. It's a fucking great track, and uh, I never turn it if it comes on the radio. I just love that intro. So yeah. Cool. What do you think, Ian? Uh. I, I love it, and this is one of those. I mean, it's definitely an overplayed Rush song, but this is something I never, ever, ever get fucking tired of. It, you know, and, and, and sometimes when, you know, always when we do the reviews, I listen to the albums multiple times, but sometimes, you know, I'll skip over the more popular songs on repeated listenings because they're like, well, I already know how I feel about that. I already know this one. So let me, on repeated listens, I'm going to go on the lesser known tracks. But on this, I always have to hear Spirit of Radio. It's just fucking amazing. God damn it. All this machinery making modern music can still be open hearted. I mean, every time he says that, I fucking... I fucking love it. And the same thing, you know, with the concert hall, down, 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 and that opening. And I mean, this is just a a perfect fucking song, and and very different though for Rush at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but but something I don't see as much as a sellout as is a natural progression, and and. Even if it's trying to attain a wider audience, there's just something very sincere about this song that keeps it from being a sellout. Um, definitely showing influences on their sleeve from the police, uh, which you would see even more in the next album with Vital Signs. You know, very yeah. much a, a police song. Um, but, uh, oh my God, this is just so good. And what a way to start off the album, you know. Especially with that, you know, life's... I mean, it's just so iconic and so amazing. And and when you look at the year that is 1980 in in hard rock and heavy metal, uh, it is such a pioneering year. I mean, you got fucking Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. You've got the first Iron Maid and British Steel. This Kiss put out Unmasked. <laughs> I love Unmasked, <laughs> but uh, but I mean compared great, to the hey, rest great of episode, shit, I might add. Anyway. Oh yes, great episode. Check out our Unmasked episode. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you really see all these bands, uh, either older bands achieving a new sound, or these young, hungry bands just breaking out. Women uh, and children first. Yes. Oh my God, I'm, I'm amazing. And even though a lot of these I wouldn't catch on to later years because of my I mean, 1980, I was fucking six. Right. Uh, but but there is stuff I would hear on the radio, and this is one I knew from the radio, even though I didn't know who Rush was. Like years later, I was like, oh, I know that song. All right, who wants to take free will? Bill does. Bill does. Yeah, man. I mean, um, you know, whenever I 
ah, this song just does so much to me, man, just emotionally and everything. That thumping fucking bass along with Neil's drumming. Getty is the star of this song, obviously, that, the bass. But I always just, just wished. I mean, I know it's like, oh, wish this, wish that. But I just wish I could have saw this tour. And, and you know, I just, it just, what, you know, what different. Was your, what was your first Rush tour, Bill? Um, Grace Under Pressure with Gary Moore opening up. Oh, May 26, wow. 1984. You got wow. to see Gary Moore, man. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. The Cow they sold out four nights at the Cow Palace, and I went. Oh, the, the Cow Palace! Did, yeah, did, yeah. Did, did you enjoy Gary Moore at the time or no? Well, I'm, I'm not gonna sit there and be two faced. Obviously, I know more now. I was aware of him because in I think '83 he had kind of a metal record that came out. Um, I remember there was a radio song, but no, was I a, a aficionado? Do I know? Did I know much? No. But I had such close seats to the stage that that I was like, after that, it's like, wow, who the fuck is this guy? Sort of thing. I was like, I knew who he was because I know my history. And even back then in 1984, I did. So you but did no. enjoy his performance though? No? Oh, I did. Absolutely. Okay, cool, it was fucking, cool. oh yeah, it was fucking, you know, back when he was hard rock, you know, teetering right. on metal and not that blues stuff that I did not like at all. But anyways, I digress. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that was the first time that I saw. But yeah, Free Will, man. Oh my God, just um, brilliant. Just totally that that bass, that and especially in a killer stereo. I used to have this 560 Mercedes that I wrecked on Xanax uh, five years ago. But anyways, I had this three thousand dollar stereo in it, and I used to. This was fucking this and Witch Hunt were. I would I would go from this and then I'd fucking put a moving pictures, put witch on. Those are the two songs that just sounded so amazing on my stereo, you know. And I, I just nice. kicked myself thinking about you know wrecking that car. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh, just so many personal rush uh, stories of my life, you know. It's been such a part of my life since you know this album, you know. And um, but yeah, brilliant song, Free Will. Oh. What do you guys think? Well, I, I, it's my favorite song on the album. There you uh, go. I love the lyrics, especially the line, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's uh, it's an uplifting tune. You know, it's like, you know, a song of living life your way. But also, I mean, what I get out of it is like living the life your way, but also fate plays a, a hand in it, too, like because of that line. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. The choice is you're going to let fate take care of it, you know? That's how I, I take a, a, you know, that's how I feel about it. And that middle section, that, that bass, dun, 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 that bass middle section is so insane. And then Alex comes in with a, a solo that matches that insanity because it goes like totally off left field. And, and then it just comes back to the song again, you know, and yeah, it's just yeah. well-structured, amazing song. One of the best Rush songs ever. Ever. Uh, ever. Yeah, Free Will. Uh, love it. Favorite song on the album, Ian? Um, not my favorite song on the album, but I, I, I fucking love it, dude. Oh, my God, I love this just as much as Spirit of Radio. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome, and... and uh, important uh what neil peart's saying in the song uh you, you know I've, I've seen a lot of reviews where they're like oh god it, 
it's so atheist, you know, and agnostic. And I love that because because I agree <laughs> the, the same way with Neil Peart. He, he doesn't believe in God and neither do I. I mean, me and Neil Peart have so much in common uh, because I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, uh, <laughs> Unreal Neil, Neil Peart on Facebook. We're friends. Uh, it, we, we're both partial to racist jokes. Uh, you know, specifically ones about French people and Polacks. Uh, I, I see we both have uh, a, a no rewind fee to family video for Black Anal Cheerleaders Volume 4. Uh, so, so, you know, I feel like we connect. And, uh, and, and also, if he doesn't get up off his ass, you know, there is a chance I'm going to be the next drummer for Rush. So we have so much in common. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I love this fucking song, and, and I think it's, it, it's really, uh, really important, the lyrical context, uh, context of this, which, uh, I mean, you, you get out of it what you get out of it. That's the beauty of music. Uh, you know, what, what I take away from it might be different than you, but I love, uh, to me, it, 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 it's kind of laughing at uh, religion in itself and, and everything, and... Uh, I choose to be a free thinker and a man of science, and I and I, I that's what I believe Neil is saying in the song, and that's what I take away. But it's not only lyrically what I take away; it's the jamming on this, and you know what Ralph said about you know the breakdown and the left turns and and all this shit. But it's so awesome and precise, like e even whatever you take away from it lyrically. Um, Music is what gets you at, at the core of the song. And I, I think it's something, no matter what your beliefs is, you can believe that this is a perfect song musically. Uh, incredible. A, a, a FM rock and roll staple that mm. deserves. And another one that I never get tired of. And, mm. you know, I've talked about, the, you know, like certain songs that lose their magic over the years. And, and I've, I've said this before, I love Stairway to Heaven, but it's lost a little bit of magic. I love Hotel California, but because of classic rock radio, it's it's lost that magic that I used to feel. Like, there used to be this euphoria when you heard it, like the whole world stopped and, and, and the song's going on. And and some songs have lost that, and this is one that's never lost. It's like, anytime I hear this, I would never change the radio, and it always sounds fresh, it always sounds important, it sounds of the time, even though you know we're talking about this. What, like almost forty years after it came out, yeah. uh, it, it it still sounds important and fresh. Mm -hmm. And the, the musicality of Rush um, it, it is amazing, and and I think that's what sub separates them from so many other bands. Not only the lyrical content, but just the musicianship for for a three piece. You know, to have somebody that can play bass. And keyboards and 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 sing and all at the same fucking time, you know. Right. And then Alex Lifeson, who to me is the true unsung hero of this band, because to me Alex Lifeson is a fucking I, I mean, such a virtuoso. Uh, I know I pronounced that wrong, but I'm drunk. Uh, Big time and underappreciated, I might add. Oh yeah, Alex Lifeson is. And, and and if I could hang out with any member of fucking. Uh, Rush, it would be Alex Lyson because yeah, because you get drunk with him. Oh hell yeah, we've both been arrested about the same amount of times, uh, you know, for being drunk. Uh, right, right, but right. He just has a sense of humor, and I I love Getty, and I love Neil, and and uh, 
you know, Neil is somebody I would love to hang out with too and like pick his brain. But at the same time, it's like, you know, yeah, we have so much in common. We we're both into to interracial anal porn, but I, you know, I, I still feel like he's too smart for me, <laughs> you know, and, and, and like, you know, he, he would be above me. All right. Senor Wang, what do you think about Jacob's ladder? But uh, Jacob's ladder, I mean, the track is just, it's, there's a darkness to it, and it has elements of the 70s prog uh, era. You know, obviously, it's a total masterpiece. Alex's uh, solo to this day gives me goosebumps. And the lyrical content is basically a mind fuck. You know, it's like, wow, what? what? I mean, now being old and, and a little bit lived a little bit, I can, uh, not, I, I'm not going to quite say I can relate to all the lyrics, but I, I can. I get I get them a little bit more, and I, I understand some of the references of you know whatnot. But back then, it was er, everything was so new. It's like man, this is just a mind fuck. I'm like, I felt like I was going to fucking school, man. It's like I was being taught by these brilliant musicians and these brilliant uh, lyricists. And I was just so excited, and for me, it's like you know, you know, at that age, it's like it, it just meant everything. And but yeah, Jacob's Ladder. I mean, that's it's it's one of my top obviously there's only six songs um but it's 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 brilliant i mean i was listening to it last night just going you know i took a big old bong rip and i was just like this is fucking amazing man so yeah i love it it's amazing track ralph yeah um uh, this this song uh is probably the the best guitar solo alex license ever done yeah, uh, I love the guitar solo on this song. Incredible song with some proggy changes that keep me interested, unlike other proggy bands. The lyrics has something to do with the sun breaking through clouds, or maybe a religious thing. It's a song about a storm. <coughs> uh, I need to rent the movie Jacob's Ladder that came out years later. Uh, it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, then I won't. Then I won't. <coughs> um, yeah, I absolutely love this song. Um, Again, this is kind of a, you know, putting up a little bit of the, the hemispheres and Xanadu and yeah, Swan, yeah. you know, uh, is in here. You know, the first two songs are kind of straightforward for them, where this one they're going a little proggy, but but at the same time there is a straightforwardness to it, right? And and that intro is kind of like it reminds me of like an army march, you know, like a. You know, military, you know, drumming, you know, you know, that type of military drumming you hear. And, uh, yeah, absolutely love this song. Uh, really good live, too, to watch them play this shit live. It's fucking yeah. awesome. Fuck what yeah. Uh, well, this is one, when I was getting into Rush, uh, you know, initially, like I said, came out with Presto. Um, this was exactly the type of song that turned me off. Like, ah, it's, it's, it, it's too long. It's too long. Songs shouldn't be more than four minutes, you know. Um, so you sucked. You sucked as a kid. You know that, Ian, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but, seriously. I mean, the last episode we did, uh, Bill was Lizzie yeah. Borden. He's talking about yeah. When I was a kid, it was like if a band wasn't on a major label, why I, I even bother? Yeah. I would have hate yeah. hanging out with you yeah. as a kid. Let, I would have beat your ass. 
that's, you know, remember where you were when you were 12. You got to remember, you were like fucking 57 when this shit came out. I'm, you know, it's, it's <laughs> different. Hey, 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 fuck you. No, I love the Oh, Bell, you were like I mean... 52. You know? I love DLO <laughs> at that age, and ELO has some long fucking ass right. songs. But I mean, it's just I I grew up in MTV. That's kid. why you yeah you yeah. grew up during the shitty MTV era. Yes, I I, I did. But, MTV sucked. But I corrected. when they played oh, videos. So do we sucked. early eighties? So do we, Doc? Come on. No, I hey, I love early. 80s. But his era sucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Firehouse well, and Bang Tango. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like hey, Bang Tango is great. Uh, <laughs> better than Load. But, uh, you know, no, this is one of those things like it, it just took me a while to get because I didn't know music like this. You, you know, like like when I thought of long songs, I thought of my dad's Emerson, Lake and Palmer songs. And that shit was horrible. Well, that shit sucks. See, I was like I was saying earlier, man, a lot of prog shit I just can't get into. But something about Rush, they do prog right. Right, but but that's it, it. It's not what I grew up on. It wasn't what I was raised on. So when I first heard it, it was just, it was too much for me. It it was it was it was too weird, too long. I didn't know how to appreciate it, you know. And I remember, uh, you know, when my my son first started playing guitar, and and you know we were talking about music and shit, and he's 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 like, oh, I I don't like songs without vocals, and it. You know, one part of me wants to smack him with one hand. Like, what? You know, but the other part of me is like, I remember being that age where when something's so different and so weird, you don't know how to digest it. And so this was the kind of stuff that kind of like, okay, I'm going to go back to Presto. But then as I got older, and again, I have to thank Frank Zappa for for shit like this because it made me appreciate musicality and different shit like that. it opened my mind so much compared to like the spoon fed MTV shit that I was raised on. But when I got into stuff like this, this song is tied for my favorite song on the album by far. Now I absolutely love this song. I appreciate it so much. This is a song that Neil Peart wrote about a, a storm. And about a storm forming and the clouds and everything, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, and, and it, the song in itself is much like a storm. It's slow building. I mean, first you you have the clouds and then, you you know, you have bursts of rain and you have wind and all this stuff. And it's just fucking amazing. And now every time I see a fucking storm begin to fold, I think of this song. Oh, and, wow. and, and it's just amazing and I love it and I love like how Neil could like take that lyrically and put it into to music because it's the same way the song has a building and then it has an explosion and, and, and then it, and then there's a calm after the storm it's just fucking that's a true fucking artist that can do it not only lyrically but but musically, like how do you describe a storm in words and music? You know, right. like if you if you ask or you just you know throw some instruments and go, okay, create a storm. I mean, that is the genius of fucking Rush that they could do this. That, that, that fucking Neil could write these these words that are ambiguous, but if you know this and you listen to it, you hear everything he's saying. It makes sense. Like, okay, I get this, and. Uh, you know, I posted this on, on my personal page the other day, and, and I posted a, a fan-made video where they show, like, a storm 
beginning and uh, storm clouds starting and all this shit and and it just goes so fucking good and amazing together and this is something that as i got deeper and deeper into music and truly appreciated shit this is why you, you know the stuff that 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 i still love because of my childhood my era that i grew up that you guys consider fluff i still love that shit i still love that shit because it is of the time it's of my childhood but as i matured that's when i appreciated real motherfucking shit like this like i you know i'll admit a lot of this fluff shit i love doesn't stand the test of time but i i love it because of my age and my era but this is stuff as i became in my opinion a smarter music fan uh, a more appreciative music fan that this is stuff that means more to me and now you know this is some of my favorite rush stuff the stuff that i couldn't get into when i was younger because it wasn't a four minute song uh you know, this is now tied for my favorite song on the fucking album. I absolutely love Jacob Slatter. All right, Ralph, what do you think of the next song? And I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong because, first of all, French isn't even a fucking real language. That shit's like baby <laughs> talk. Uh, but I believe this is called Entre Nous. Yeah, uh, Between Us. Yes, that's, what do you that's think? What, that's what it means in French. Yeah, well, why did uh, they write Between Us? Because sounds like a because they're from state. Quebec. <laughs> yeah, Quebec. Yeah, kind of ballady tune. I but I really, really like this one, and uh, I saw them play this live. It was only played on the Slakes and Ladders tour. Yes, and I saw it. I saw them play this live. And it was amazing, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful song. There's something. It, it's kind of like closer to the heart. You know, it has kind of like that same meaning. I get the same vibe from Closer to Heart with this song. It's a little more uh, like ballady, like I was saying. You know, it's like the ballad of the album. And uh, I think it's a beautifully written song, lyrically. And the the, the music, it's uh, it's got this amazing vibe. The, the amazing intro to it. And uh, it's a great way to kick off side two. And... Uh, it has this like, it's ballady, but it kind of has like a, a up tempo thing going on too, which uh, I really dig. I really dig this song. What do you think, Bill? I don't know. It's like the. I think the song's awesome, but the the thing about this before I dive into the actual song, but I, I think the part of it is just this album is is the, a perfect mix of keyboards you know it's not overwhelming there's there 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 um little little parts of these songs and everything that are, that are perfect and not overwhelming where it's like stop 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 um the song is just so uplifting i mean if i had to if, if somebody says one word to describe the song i'd say uplifting i mean you just nailed it you know yeah it's ballady it's, you know, Alex is riffing it. There's elements that are amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's a great song. And it was interesting being a little, you know, a kid, not a little kid, but a kid wondering, yeah, what well, what the fuck does that mean? And then, you know, obviously this is, you know, way before Google, I could punch that in and find out what the fuck does this mean? You know, and, but doing my research and figuring out what that meant, you know, in French. And uh, I, I I love this song, man. I think it's um, it's it's a great song, man. And it has a 
it means a lot to me to this day. You know, I, 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 there's goosebump-inducing elements throughout this fucking disc, you know, and this song is definitely one of them. Ian, uh, I love it as well, even though it's, it's entitled Entrepreneur, um, <laughs> which is baby talk. Um, <laughs> but it is a beautiful song, and I can see why... You uh, compare it to Closer to the Heart. I would say the only difference is I like this song. Uh, not a fan of Closer to the Heart. Um, but I, I really Who love this. Who gives a fuck? I know, right? Thank you. Uh, I love this song. And I, I thought what was a really cool part in the uh, Behind the Light Stage documentary was when Billy Corgan was talking about the song. And I, I, I kind of have a love-hate thing with, with Billy Corgan. Uh, some songs I like, a lot of songs I fucking hate. But he talked about playing this for his mom and trying to uh, explain to her like this song meant a lot to him. And and this is what he's into. And, and, and he wanted to share that with his mom. And, uh, you know, I remember being that age. And my dad hated, hated fucking Kiss. I mean, he thought that was, like, the worst shit ever. Like, he was embarrassed of me because I liked Kiss, and I was left-handed. And uh, uh, then Bill and I know how you feel about us with the other now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh... But no, it's, my parents it, supported my, my Kiss addiction. Yeah, yeah, see, my, my dad... My parents were clueless. My, my, my dad was like... He's like, oh, you like all this other good music? He's like, but Kiss, that's bullshit, kitty fucking shit. You know, like, God damn it, that's fucking, you know... That's a little faggoty kid shit, you know, but it meant so much to me. And I'd get upset that that, that my dad didn't understand how much I loved Kiss. I uh, think he would have understood a little more that you like Kiss if you ever found out you like Bang Tangle. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! <laughs> yeah, my dad hated The Elder, though. He hated it so much he died before it came out. He's like, ah, yeah. Let me, Damn, let me... he's been... Really? It was that long ago your dad died? Uh, 94. Elder came 13. out in 81. Right, right. Oh, Elder? Oh, I thought we were talking about Reload or Load. No, we're talking <laughs> you, about the No, elder. you said Elder. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you said Elder. Yeah, he hated that shit, too. Yeah, but, he hated uh, it all. Yeah, he, oh, he hated all kids. He, he he bought the first Kiss album and said it was horrible. He thought it was it was like third-rate New York Dolls. Uh, not, New York Dolls fan. suck. Yeah. Yeah, I love New York Dolls. They are terrible. Not as much. I'm with you there, Bill. Thank you. Thank Not you. as much as Kiss, but I like him. Uh, but anyway, but no, I, I thought it was cool, like how he talked about how he was trying to express that, that this song meant something to him. And I'm sure it meant to him more than it means to me. It's not my favorite track uh, by any means, but I but I really, I really dig it. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, ballad. Mm. What it's about, I don't know. What are these songs... And I, I know I'm mixed up on this. One of these songs he wrote about uh, being married, and I don't know if it's this one or the next one. No, it, not the next one, because the next one, uh, Getty Lee wrote the lyrics. Right, right. Okay. Well, well, still, I know one of these was written about marriage, but I can't remember if it was about if it was Entre Nua or if it was Different Strings. But uh, uh, So let's go to the next song, Different Strings. What do you think about this one, Ralph? I'm not a fan of this one, dude. It's really? kind of like, yeah, it's like my least favorite. 
Um, very calm song, but uh, I don't like the fade out. The fade out is what really pisses me off because I wish they would have just kept going because that's when I started getting interested in the song was with what Alex was doing. But then it faded out. It's kind of like Randy Rhodes, you know, with those Randy Rhodes solos that fade out. It's like, come on, let it keep playing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, an interesting thing about this song was uh, the guy who did the album cover to uh, Permanent Waves plays piano on this song. Yeah. And, uh, and up to this point, yes. up to this point, he, I believe he is the only person to play on a Rush album up to Permanent Waves. Yes, Hugh, Hugh Sign. Yeah, and, uh, uh, but yeah, it's my least favorite, and, you know, it, it got me interested toward the end, but then if they faded it out, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So, no, I'm not really a fan of different strings, to tell you the truth. Okay. Uh, Bill Wang? <clears throat> Man, I, I fucking love this fucking song. And I, I, this line is just always, even way back when, man, it always was such a cool line. Different hearts beat on different strings. It's like, wow, that is so weird and cool and fucking. I love this fucking song. I love the. It's like Alex's acoustic. Uh, I'm just, it's, I'm just overwhelmed by this song. The song is fucking awesome. Uh, the piano, like you were just making reference to, um, uh, what's his name? Jim uh, Simon. But yeah, by the way, he, which by the way, I, I want to add, he's on the album cover. He's the guy waving. Oh, is that um, right? Yeah, that's him. That's the guy. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think it's a great song. And I think the piano is just <laughs> speaking of Hugh. Hello, Hugh, if you're listening. Um, I think it adds an, an incredible element to the song. Um, I love the song, man. And that, the, the solo, uh, at the 309 mark. Wow, man. Just fucking has so much life to it. Um, absolutely love the song. Love it. Different strings. Uh, Ralph, you said it was your least favorite song on the album. And, yeah, uh, yeah oddly, I got to agree with you on this. Um, but I think I like it light years more than you. I love every, uh, spoiler, I love every song on this album. That's why I actually place permanent waves above uh, moving pictures. Because Ooh. there's a... There's a few songs on moving pictures. Uh, you know, pictures. I, I, I would have to agree with you there, too. Yeah. There's a few songs on, on moving pictures that I don't like. I disagree one. with you, too. Just, I disagree with you, too. There's just anyway. one song on moving pictures I, I don't like. I, 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 w- I wouldn't say there's a song on moving pictures I hate. Uh, but there's ones that I don't love all that much. Where I love every song on this. And, and Different Strings is no different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely love this fucking track but if you gotta pick you know a least favorite song on, a, on an album that only has six songs and right. again it, it goes back to uh, why I think albums from the pre-CD era are so much better is because you only had so much time so you, you could only put the cream of the crop on the album 35.35 minutes this yeah, album. And, and, and that's what I love about this. Different Strings right. is, is a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, this is the one with lyrics by Getty Lee. Uh, right. and, and and I dig it, man. I, I just think it's a really cute, cool, beautiful song. Again, a song I like better than Closer to the Heart. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. That's a question I want to ask you guys after after the review is over. Um, but no, I I, I, re- I really love this song. But then it goes into uh, Natural Science. And I, I just want to say right now to uh, our Republican listeners like Bushy, uh, tune out now because you guys hate science. Uh, <laughs> they call this song Natural Voodoo. Um, but I'm a big fan of science and I'm a huge fan of natural science. Um, again, this is a song that took me a while to get into because it's a longer song, but now it's so rewarding. Um, this is the one that's tied with me for my favorite song. I don't know if it's Jacob's ladder or natural science is my favorite song from this album. And how amazing was it that when I saw this, uh, amazing show with, with Dr. Fuck, uh, the Rush 40th anniversary slash farewell tour. Mm. That you heard Jacob's Ladder and Natural Science back to back. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah. They played Natural Science that night? Yeah. Yeah. And it was fucking, Damn, lucky you. It was fucking amazing. Uh, so good. I remember seeing them do Natural Science on one of the later tours, but I didn't realize I saw them do it twice. You're, you're, you're right. Oh, oh man, thank God! I thought I thought I fucking was like, oh man, do I? I forgot them playing natural. Your science. brain was really losing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually got it right. <laughs> yes, that, you yeah, did. Well, no, I, I'm drunk. The sober guy remembers right uh, on the uh, on the live album. They have them both back to back. But if you remember, uh, Ralph, at our show, we did see the rare alternative set list. Yeah, the 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 signal song. What was it again? That that the signals. Mi- okay, here here's the set list at our show. It was the Anarchist, the Wreckers, Headlong Flight, Far Cry, the Main Monkey Business, How It Is, Animate, Roll the Bones, Between the Wheels, Subdivisions. Between the Wheel was the one that we yeah. that wasn't on the set list. Uh, Tom Sawyer, Camera Eye, Spirit of Radio, Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Cygnus Part 1 and 2 uh, Closer to the Heart Xanadu The first uh, or It was uh, What part, you doing? Part uh, As far as 2112 It was uh, Part 1 Part 2 Part 4 Part 6 Lakeside Park Anthem What you're doing And working man Yeah There you go That's why we Okay so So I I did you find finding your way that day? That's funny you did that one I guess, maybe not. I guess not. But uh, but either maybe I saw Natural Science on the 30th anniversary tour. I don't know. I know I saw it on one of those West Palm Beach shows. I was like, holy shit, they're playing Natural Science. Yeah, well, the the 30th anniversary tour I saw in Tampa. Well, and, I saw that one too, so it might have been that show. So. And I, I, I'll never forget that my buddy Gary Gunn, and and we're we're in lawn seats for that. And it was such a good show, you know, and that was one of those, you know, an evening with Rush, there was no opening band. We were so fucking drunk. <laughs> and and in the second half of the show, he's like, I gotta piss, but I can't move. So he, he just, like, he had shorts on, because we're in Florida, it's hot. He, he just pulled his shorts up and let his dog hang out and started pissing right there in the lawn. And I was like, Oh shit! Because you know uh, my program was down, you know, by my feet. I'm like, don't you piss on the program? That motherfucker was thirty bucks. <laughs> you know, so like, fuck, let me grab that motherfucker. 
Uh, you know, I still I still have my moving pictures tour book. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. still got it. But, Lucky but, you to see that tour. <laughs> Very yeah, envious. Natural science, man. Uh, uh, amazing. And, and, and I, I, you know, I love the three you know, different segments of it. And uh, tide pools, hyperspace, and permanent waves. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know it. You know it, Bill Wang. Yes, uh, but uh, I mean, what an amazing song! And it's one of those like I go back and forth. Is it this or Jacob's Ladder? Like when I'm listening to Jacob's Ladder, I'm like, oh yeah, listen to that guitar, it's Jacob's Ladder. But then when I'm listening to Natural Science, I'm like, oh fuck, it's Natural Science. You know, it's like <laughs> totally. Oh, I, you know, you know, it's, it's like I go back and as much as I love Spirit of Radio and Free Will, and 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 those are fucking amazing tracks. And as much as I love and fucking different strings, which are great songs, but it's. To me, like as a full-blown fucking Rush nerd now, it's like, oh, Jacob's Ladder, Natural Science. I mean, just like, oh my God, these are both mind-blowing songs, the two longest songs on the album. And mm-hmm. and like I said earlier, that's what it took me a while to get into as far as Rush is those those long epics. Um, man, it, it's really a question of what what's on the turntable at that time. You know, is it fucking natural science or Jacob's Ladder? Because they are both so fucking good. And what a way to end the album on an epic like that. Uh, Oh, like seriously, like right now, I'm debating what wins. Part of me is saying Jacob's Ladder and another part is saying natural science. But if I listen to them back to back, it'd be what was on last. Yeah. I, Yeah. I just really, really love this song. And, uh, you know, this was, um, well, I guess you could say, okay, if you're, if you're, go, if you're going with uh, moving pictures, uh, Camera Eye is the epic on that one. But uh, like Ralph, I am not really a fan of Camera Eye. Even That's though, the only song I don't like on. Yeah. I love every song on moving pictures except that one. And, and we, we, we saw him play it live, and I was like, I was like, okay, I like it better live, but I'm still like, eh. Yeah, I would have preferred but, but, but to me, the last two like epic tracks that Rush did were Jacob's Ladder and Natural Science. And uh, uh, Mine would be The Garden, one of the greatest songs ever. Oh, like uh, we were talking uh, about uh, earlier. Uh, uh, Angels. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about earlier. You know, oh, you know, this is Alaska. To me, uh, and I know this sounds crazy, dude, but Tess, uh, Clockwork Clockwork Angels is my favorite Rush album since since uh, Moving Pictures. I even prefer it over Signals. Wow, uh, I I I have to hear it now because I can't believe you just said that. It is so good. Bro. Yeah, is I, it I mean, I, okay? I think it's amazing. It it's is, an amazing I, album, I, 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 and it's a fucking amazing way for them to end their career. Oh that. yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad if it's the last album. And and, and yeah, I, I guess I did overlook Clockwork Angels, but oh my god, when I first heard Caravan and BY2B, like oh my god, this is fucking. Yeah, and, Rush and, uh, masterpiece again. Headlong, headlong, uh, yeah. flight reminds me of Anthem a little bit. It has that early, yeah, that early Rush uh, sound, the, the heaviness of that early Rush stuff. But to me, the Garden is like a, a masterpiece, and it's a beautiful song. If you read the lyrics, dude, it'll make you cry, man. It's such a, and it's what ends the album too, which makes it even 
more epic, you know. I absolutely love the garden. The garden is my favorite track on there. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And again, like I said, I can't say I I, I can uh, articulate how much that uh, that last rush show meant to me. I mean, not only that, the fact that you know it's the last rush show I'm ever going to see, but I got to share it with you, and I got to share it with my friend's son, and and everything that meant. It was it was a very emotional night and then after the show we got to hang out with Jacob Wood and, yeah. and, and his girlfriend I mean it was like on, on so many notes it was it was a night that I'll never forget mostly because I was sober uh, but uh, well that ended when we hung out with Jason, Jacob yeah, Wood Jacob Wood yeah yeah okay. then we got drunk yeah I drank plenty of Rolling Rocks at 45 yeah. Chop after that so but, did uh, I I yeah. drank Rolling Rock that night too <laughs> but uh but no, it was one of those. It was uh, a magical night that'll that'll never be erased from my memory. You know, yeah, until it, it I get great, Alzheimer's. Great you know, but uh, uh, no, it, it was a good time. And th- this is a band I, I really, really love. And, and like I said, I, I can't express enough how much bands like, you know, you know, the Frank Zappa bands and Russia meant to me because it expanded my musical horizons to so much more than what I knew and what I grew up with. I mean, and there's bands that I, you know, I, I, I love, but are June moon and spoon and, and rudimentally, you know, in their, in their music are very simple, but this is a band that's very complex, complex, not only lyrically, but musically, uh, that, that just really enhance my experiences when I listen to music and, uh, and, and I love this band, and to do this episode with both of you who who love this, you know, band so much. I only wish, uh, you know, we could get to see a rush show together. That would be amazing. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, you know, I know you you were raising the the MTV generation shit. I think the reason I got into Rush, it wasn't hard for me to like these longer songs was because I was raised on like Kansas and Electric Light Orchestra, which they're both very different, but Kansas had more of a proggy feel. And they had a lot of long songs that I absolutely love. Well, and I, I knew those I knew those bands as well, but I knew like the radio yeah, songs. Yeah, Dust in the know, Wind and yeah. Carry On, the, the I, short tunes. Right, I didn't know But the they album. had long songs. I mean, right. ELO had some real long songs. So did Kansas and, you know, Sweet Madam Blue from Styx. Yeah. You know, they had some long song, Castle Walls. I mean, uh, and, and it was very easy for me to ease into... You know this, and plus, you know, we had our Zeppelins too with Achilles Last Stand and oh, yeah. In the Light right. and stuff like that. I was raised on that it, long songs. Then, yeah, because when you're a part of MTV generation, MTV's like, "Yo, man, we ain't gonna play that video. It's too long." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was sound bites and radio edits, but it was all I knew. You know, and I loved yeah. it, and I fucking ate it up. But you know, as I got smarter, I mean, this is the stuff that I gravitated to. So. uh Boeing, what do you think about natural science? I don't know, just following, you know, when they're when we're reviewing an album that all three of us love, and I we've all fallen in this trap where you follow somebody else's description of a song, and it's like, well, fuck, how can I add to that? It's exactly how I feel, but I'm gonna try. Um, I mean, the thing about, I mean, they're mate. I mean, like I said, tide pulls hyperspace permanent waves. I mean, it's like what they're just you see that it's like oh, oh there's still that element 
there's still that myst, you know, mystic, you know, like, you know, different parts of songs, which is so different, you know, that prog sort of, you know, heart and soul of where they're based out of. But, but just so that, I mean, this song is just the acoustic, beautiful acoustic sounds. And then, and then that chaotic bombast. I mean, it's like, it, maybe this parts of the song are probably the heaviest parts of this album. Maybe. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, that's fucking headbanger shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say Getty's vocal effects exactly where you were just describing, Doc, and just oh, in the it it, it it it. And I love it because it's got the total '70s prog sound mixed in with the their new love of new sounds, and the song is fucking amazing, man. I mean. Awesome, awesome, and there's not much I could add, you know. But um, I love it. I love it. Fan yeah, fan. this this song could have fit on Hemispheres, I think. Yeah, it's good analogy. Fuck. Yeah. It's fuck, and it's three parts, and yeah. Um, oh. This song is, uh, I believe, uh, reading the lyrics, because actually I, I I didn't take notes for this, but I did sit back and play the vinyl uh, a couple days ago. Uh, laying on my couch reading the lyrics and I, I, reading these lyrics are kind of like I don't know is this song about medieval times kind of like I see it yeah. that way yeah. it kind of has this well, medieval time lyric lyric thing going on there, 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 there was a song that Neil wanted to uh, write for the album uh, based on uh, oh god where is this uh, oh I think I think what you're thinking of I, I kind of remember that natural science has uh, some parts that were on past Rush songs that never made it on album. Well, no, he wanted to write a song based on Sir, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this wrong because I know sometimes there's weird spines. I don't know if it's Sir Galahan in the Green Knight or Sir Gawain in the Green Knight. I don't know. I'm weird on my knight. No, it's history. Sir Paul McCartney. Yes, Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> uh, but he felt he felt the song didn't fit in with the rest of the album, so it was left off. But there was parts of what he wrote for that that got uh, changed into to different songs. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. When I hear this song, I just think about like uh, the creation of life, and, and and just like how how the planet has evolved and how life has evolved uh, from from a tide pool to a you know a permanent wave. You know, uh, just the creation of, of of us as a species, and and, and life as it is, uh, you know, could be wrong. Just what I get out of it. Well, I, I I put this as a very close second favorite on the album. I absolutely love Natural Science. That's why my mind was blown when I saw him play it because I didn't see no set list before I saw the show where they played the song. Mm. And. Uh, yeah, it must have been Test for Echoes, dude, because I didn't have internet back then. Or maybe Vapor Trail. Vapor Trail, I think I read. I had the internet in 99. When did Vapor Trail come out? Vapor Trails, that was like 2001. Yeah, but was... you know, 2000, 2001, I wasn't aware of Google set list, you know, FM right. set list, whatever the fuck back then. So I didn't know about set list even in the early ages of me having the internet. So I know I walked into this show not knowing what they were going to play. And when they play Natural Science, and this has always been one of my favorites. I was, wow, I can't believe they're playing natural science, you know? And that's when it, you know, it dawned on me. You know, it must have been Tesla Echoes, one of those two. Wasn't um, Vapor Trails after Tesla Echoes? 
Yes. Uh, okay. So because at that time, you know, when I Pepper saw the Echo first... 96 uh, Vapor Trails 2002. Okay. So so see, I I took a sabbatical from Rush <clears throat> after Grace Under Pressure. I just didn't care. And I ended up getting some of those albums. What's the one with the little red bubbles? Um, Hold, Hold your, your fire. fire. Yeah, I didn't like 87. it. 87. That's horrible. And, and I also have a Power Window. I just can't get into it. Presto, I don't like it. I, I just don't oh, like it. I love it. Counterparts was, I mean, Test for Echoes got me back into them, but Counterparts, when I saw Stick It Out, I was like, ooh, that's good. But I don't know if Counterparts came down here during that tour. And I never really ran out and bought the album till. After I got Test for Echoes. Test for Echoes, man, I think it's great. Driven is an amazing song. I love and Driven. Driven rules. Fuck yeah. You're Driven right is awesome, man. I love Fuck the title yeah. track, too. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, that's when it dawned on me. I think Rush at that time by Test of Echoes, they were like, you know what? Fuck everything. Let's play for the hardcores. Let's throw the deep tracks out there because they're going to keep coming back. And I think Test for Echoes was a turning point for Rush as far as a concert draw because uh, they were playing big ass amphitheaters at that time and 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 ever since uh, Death for Echoes Rush has become because dude I mean let's face it during the 80s Rush it was very you know they weren't really I mean uh, weren't they dropped by their label they were kind of hurting a little bit but still living on their legacy but I think the extreme geeky fandom came uh, after 96 Huh. When people started to go, man, this band is really good. And um, yeah, I love Natural Science. This is uh, one of their one of my favorite Rush songs, man. And yeah, very close second. But there's something about Free Will. You know, I guess it's because of the, the lyrics and the little bass section in the middle. You know, it makes it more appealing to me than Natural Science. But Natural Science is fucking awesome. What a great song. I love it's it. the, it's t- Yeah, those two, it's hard to pick, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking now. I look at the set list for uh, uh, for when I saw them on the 30th anniversary tour. They didn't play Natural Science there, so maybe I'm just fucking drunk. I don't think maybe I've ever seen them play Natural Science. No, really. Yeah, if, you check, if you check Vapor Trails or unless or the other unless one? they played it on the Presto tour, that's the one I'm having a hard time finding the set list for. Probably, probably they did. But uh. But hey, one thing I will say, they played on the Presto Tour, and this is something I want to throw out to you guys, just for a little, uh, you know, shits and giggles. Are there any Rush songs that are considered classics to you uh, that you either don't like or you're so burned out on? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Bill Wayne. Yes. I think I'm going bald. Really? Well, that's not really a classic, though. That's kind of well, 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 but no, but but it's either a classic that that you don't like, or just a song in general you don't like. All right, uh, in the mood, oh. in the mood, in the mood. Wow, eh, that song's okay. I mean, wow, I don't hate it. that blows. I don't my... hate it, but I, I'm not really a big fan. Wow. Of that. Well, here's something. Here's some mind blowing. I'll ask both of you. What's my favorite song off the first Rush album? It'll blow your mind. Uh. Hmm. It's not. It's not a staple song, man. I don't think. Wow, he got it on first try. <laughs> Did he? Here again is my favorite. Rush I love song that. that first well, see, I, I, the first Rush album is in my top five Rush albums of all time. I love that album. I, I, I love the first Rush album. 
John, John here again is one of my favorite Rutsy. I know it's John Rutsy, uh, but but it's it's so Led Zeppelin sounding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Led Zeppelin. And, and there's there's no other Rush album that sounds like that. Uh, I heard Working Man on the radio. I shit you not. Within a half hour after hearing it on the radio, I bought it. <laughs> Just hearing that song, I was like, "Fuck! I need to get this" because I never heard that song. And that was way after Permanent Ways. Maybe that was like 81, 82 when I first heard Working Man. I was like, uh. fuck, this this song's amazing. I didn't know Rush did shit like this. Right, know? right. And then I bought that album and I was like, fuck, dude, this is different. This is so rock and roll, you know? It's like yeah. totally different than what Rush became. It wasn't until By Tour and the Snow Dog, yes. Fly, Fly By Night, where they actually got their... What what the staple sound? Right, which right, I saw right. them play that too on the movie picture show. Yes, you did. Yeah, they played that too. Man. But uh, oh yeah, I, I love hearing again. Uh, but but what, what's a song route that, that you would consider like a, a rush staple that you just don't like or just are burned out on? All right, uh, I forgot. There is another song on movie pictures I don't like. It's, uh, is it? I, uh, and it's not it has nothing to do with being. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, pick what song. Uh, you don't like uh, Witch Hunt? I love Witch Hunt. Uh, Vital Signs. One of my probably my favorite song off that album. Oh God, Limelight. Limelight. No, I love Limelight. Yeah, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, Tom Sawyer. Man. Oh, oh man. Okay. And it has nothing to do with the burnout factor. I never really liked that song. Wow. I love the middle section after the solo where Neil Perk goes apeshit. That, that section's amazing. But the rest of that song is like, wow. I never got it. And it's like the most popular Rush song. Yeah. And wow. it's not like, I mean, I don't hate the song as much as Camera's Eye, but it's it's not something I really like either, you know? Wow. I hate that sound, that the way it starts. Hmm. Sounds all like all a right, well, you're robot farting. Uh, Bill Wang, what, yeah. what's your fix? What, what's my what? What? What's your like? Like your least favorite or he like? He said it. He uh, said it. I think I'm yeah going in the mood. Um, oh okay. Yeah. And I think I think uh, I'm going bald. Ooh, I think I'm going. Oh man, I love yeah, both and those. like and, you know, and like Doc said, come on, <laughs> Bill Wang, that's not a popular song. Nobody knows that. But I guess just personally, I, I just you know it's ooh. I love it's that not, song. Yeah, it's 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 an eclectic song. It, I, it's it's not the right answer for your question, but it's my answer. Well, no, I, no. And, I mean, there and, is no incorrect answer. Yeah, I just don't. Opinion. It's just silly. Almost, uh, I, you know, I'm not into any of those kind of bands that are like, um, uh, I don't know, like they don't take. I don't know. I, I I can't put it into words, but no, it's too much of a. What's those songs where? It's about a like um, a white guy. Uh, you know. <laughs> God damn! I'm trying to. It's, it's a, uh, novel, no, a novelty song. Uh, no, 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 a novelty song. I'm not well, into novelty songs. Did you guys song. know? Did you guys know they wrote that song because of "Going Blind" by Kiss? Yes, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. They did. And Getty, it's not a novelty Getty. song. So they were just making fun of Kiss, even though they loved Kiss. And I would have loved to been to been in the van. Where uh, uh, Rush, oh, yeah. Rush played them uh, a copy. Caressa Steel. Yeah, Caressa Steel. And Paul Stanley is like, I don't get it. 
Yeah. Necromancer is God. Right. Oh, well, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So if I had to pick, uh, there's two songs that are considered Rush staples. And of course, one I've mentioned multiple times in this episode. But two that I just really don't care for is Closer to the Heart. Even though I got to say I enjoyed it in the live setting. When we're, uh, at the concert, Ralph and I saw, I was like, okay, all right, all right, this sounds good. But that and Red Barchetta, I've never cared for Red Barchetta. Oh, I love that song. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, great song. I don't know, there's just something about Red Barchetta I've never cared. And they played that, I know for a fact they played that when I saw my on the Presto tour because I remember the video. They had like a cartoon video with the car and everything. Right. But uh, yeah, not not a favorite of mine, and and of course, of course, uh, I hate damn near everything off of uh, power windows and hold your fire, except yeah, except yeah. except I gotta admit I do like big money, and I like uh, what's the song off of hold your fire with the chick from Till Tuesday? Oh, yeah, time uh, stands still. Yeah, time stands still. I I love that song. Yeah, I just could never get into that. They, you know, see, what we were talking about earlier with Permanent Waves, like the keyboards on the song benefit the song, where to me wow. they just went overboard. Agree. After Grace Under Pressure. Uh, uh, even though I love them. Though those I albums. love Grace Under Pressure. I think that's uh, a great album. And that album is very synth style. Drenched know? in synths. Oh, my God. But, but, but that's but where it's dark. I mean, it's dark. Yeah, I liked it. I did like Grace Under Pressure, you know, yeah. like Sector A yeah, and stuff no, like that. that. That's one that was a grower on me. But I love it now, and I almost say, I know this is kind of weird, but I almost say, I like Grace Under Pressure more than Signals. Oh, no. No, no, not me. Not me. Though Signals, Signals, uh, I feel, is a bit overrated with a lot of people, but I love Analog Kid, man. Digital Man. Digital Man, New World Man, fucking Subdivisions, Countdown. Yeah, but Grace Under Pressure has Between the Wheels. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. I, I'm not bad. <laughs> I, I just like I, I just like the signals more. Uh, I saw that tour as well. Yeah, uh, the tours I saw, the tours I saw, was uh, Moving Pictures, Existence Left, Signals, Grace Under Pressure, Test for Echoes, uh, Vapor Trail, Snakes and Ladders. The the what was the tour they did the whole Movie Pictures album? Time Machine, I think. Yeah, Time Machine. I saw Time Machine. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, I guess the New Orleans one, unless there was something yeah. between. Yeah, and I, I saw, I saw Presto, uh, 30th anniversary, Time Machine, and 40th anniversary. So I was lucky enough to see this amazing band four times. Uh, how, how, how about you, Bill Wayne? Twenty-four times. Have the tickets Jesus approved? Twenty-four times. Twenty-four fucking times. Yes, sir. Wow. The sad thing is he saw Sammy Hagar 25. No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> yeah, you had to. Yeah, yeah other, times, than, other, other than Kiss and the assorted solo endeavors, meaning Paul Stanley's solo, Ace Freely solo, whatever, you know, that's only... 24 times. 24 times, yeah. Holy shit, dude. You know the that's... band I saw the most? Black Sabbath. Cheap trick. Thrasher die. 
<laughs> I was at every one of their shows. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, other, other, other Thresher die, would it be Cheap Trick? Of course. Cheap Trick, I lost count, but I know it's well over 80. Wow. Well My over My favorite 80. Cheap Trick, one-on-one for Berkeley Community Theater. Fuck yeah. I saw that show, too. Yeah. My favorite yeah. Cheap Trick show, believe it or not, was... 1996 and they weren't even touring for an album huh. it was my favorite show because they played nothing but songs up to dream police my, no no up to all shook up my, my oh, favorite uh, show was cheap trick 1979 the cow palace with william clare aka chuck I saw, <laughs> that's the first time i saw cheap trick 79 the miami highlight with the rockets yeah how did you my do that when your parents show. didn't let you go to concerts my dad went with me Oh, okay. the, fun, the funniest story. My dad went with me, right? And we're sitting awesome. there, and there's a guy next to us smoking a joint, and my dad uh-huh. lit a cigar and blew it in his face. <laughs> I love I, it. I, True story. I, I saw 1979 at the Cow Palace with William Clare, and uh, we were doing Black Beauties uh, that, that William Clare's mother sold to us. True yeah. story. <laughs> uh, you I'll be sure to add crickets there. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, he's I just like doing that reaction. Oh, no, you, it, you heard Ian? Ian went, oh. <laughs> oh. That was yeah. classic. All right. Well, that is our Rush episode. And I'd like to say, I wish we could grab the Rush nerds like we grabbed the Kiss nerds. Because our Kiss episodes always go through the roof. And our fucking Rush episodes are always like a fucking turd at the wall. And I don't get that because Rush has, like such a rabid fan base but i guess i guess we're too like kiss fan like for rush nerds because <laughs> we're very juvenile and most of them are smart yeah but uh well, i hope this does good because it means a lot to all three of us and um well the other know. thing i would say is if anybody and i just joined another rush fan page today uh when this episode comes out share it on rush pages and yeah. hopefully uh you know th- there's a rush fan who's fucked a girl and and it gets our sense of humor, and uh, we'll share this. Hey, uh, I know three, three. There's three in existence. Well, you you, Ian, know, you know three girls. Who, yeah, yeah. You know three girls you fucked at Rush concerts. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, I've seen a bit a chick at a Rush concert. Exactly. You answered that right. Okay, it was a trick question. Bam, bam, bam. It was a trick one. Yeah, like finding a chick at a Rush concert is like finding a black guy at a K&K meeting. <laughs> you don't see it that much. But, uh, but God damn it, do I love this fucking band. And, uh, and of course, I, I mean, by the time this podcast is ever done, I want to review every fucking Rush album. Uh, because... There, you know, e- hey, fuck, even hold you and fire. Bill, you and Bill could do power windows, man. Oh, oh, I, oh, trust me, I hate. <laughs> Don't that. make me study that shit. Oh, I hate that piece of shit, but it'll be fun to make fun of. No, that's gonna be brilliant. That's gonna all be right. Fantastic. Well, that is our episode on Rush Permanent Waves. Uh, Bill Wang, uh, you got some stuff you want to plug? Uh, oh, pick of the week. Okay, yeah, what's yeah. your pick of the week? Pick of the week. You know, because of this rush, kind of got me into uh, that mode of 1980 and everything, the police, Ghost in the Machine. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that... Oh, my God, I love that album. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, I would say that's probably my least favorite rush, or uh, police album. I, uh, I but I love it. Synchronicity, and I like Synchronicity. Well, it, it, it's a toss-up between those. I think the first three are masterpieces, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, they're... Except for do 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 da da da. 
Oh, what? No more book. You, no pick of the week, you guys. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm look. I'm looking through my iTunes now. Okay, so my, my my pick of the week. Uh, while we're talking about Rush, a uh, progressive rock band, I'm gonna talk about a band that was highly influenced uh, by Rush, and that is Dream Theater. And a song. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's an album. Is gonna be my pick of the week. But there's a song that, in particular, is why I picked this as my pick of the week. But it is uh, the last one they did with Mark Portnoy, uh, Mike Portnoy, which is Black Clouds and Silver Lining, uh, which includes my favorite uh, Dream Theater song of all time. Mm. Which, hold on. <laughs> oh, I need a drink. I don't remember the name of the song, but it's something like Nightmare and something or other. Yeah, that's it. Nightmare or something or other. Yeah, Nightmare or something or other. But it, the the song, it's like a 16-minute song. And it's about a car accident that, uh, uh, what's his name? John Petrucci? Petrucci? Yeah. What was in? Yeah. And uh, the song is like a re uh, uh Never mind. I'm not even going to try to sound smart. A reenactment of... Uh, his car accident and him getting taken to the hospital and all this shit and it is my favorite fucking dream theater song by far it's like 16 minutes long but to me it's like a four minute song because it's so good and has so many different changes I'm like god damn it's just sonic perfection uh, mm. I, I, I love it so that's my pick of the week check that one out Okay, bye. Well, my my pick of the week is uh, something that Dream Theater is very influenced by, but I don't ever hear them talk about it. But listening to this band, I hear Dream Theater all over it. Is Kansas, and uh, the 1975 masterpiece. I thought uh, the one that almost got them dropped off the label. They saved themselves with the next album, Left Overture, uh, an album called Mask, and uh, it's an amazing fucking. It's proggy, but like Rush, man, proggy that keeps me interested. Icarus, Born on the Wings of Steel is awesome. Child of Innocence, but my favorite track on there is Mystery, Mysteries and Mayhem. It's fucking epic, killer, all over the place, but still right on the pocket. And it's just a, a great fucking album. So that is my pick of the week. 1975's Kansas Mask, which is a lot, a lot of people don't know about, you know, early Kansas stuff. I mean, Song of America, the first Kansas album is great stuff, but... I think Mask is where they started to show like you, some really growth, but you, you know, know, you know what I like about Kansas? What? Almost nothing. But uh, they put out a live album in the seventies. Uh, yeah. Well, um. Um. Uh, Goddamn, with the two old ladies. And I listened to that the other day. Oh, oh okay. I, I don't remember the name, but I remember being at this lady's house that my dad was banging uh, in the late eighties. And, and, and she had some vinyls, and I was going through it, and I remember the album cover. There was like two people, like, like yeah, two old ladies, two for the show. That's yeah, yeah, two for the show. But anyway, they dedicate. I remember opening it up because it was a gatefold, and I loved gatefolds when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, it was such a cool experience. But they dedicated the album uh, to a guy who died on his way to a Kansas show. Wow. And if you look in the liner notes, you see this. You got it oh, on vinyl, cool. Ralph? Yes, I do. Okay, his name was John. Yes. 
It says on August 14, 1978, while returning home from a Kansas concert, oh, returning. John John Hofford, a 14-year-old from El Paso, Texas, was involved in a car accident that cost him his sight. Oh, okay. Being that Kansas was the last visual experience that John will ever have, we dedicate this album to him. That's cool. <laughs> Okay, cool. okay, so I was a little hazy on the details, but I remember opening up and looking at that, and I thought that was such, like, a a, a cool thing to do. Like, they didn't have to do, so that gave me some respect for Kansas. I thought that was pretty neat. They're amazing. I'm about to see them in two weeks. So the last uh, thing he got to do was see the one-eyed fucking violin player, you know, and then he lost his sight altogether. So there you go. He lost his two eyes. There, There you go. So uh, I can't wait to see them because I mean Bill was talking earlier. You know he never knew about Kansas because he'd have older sister stuff. But I discovered Kansas because of a movie. Uh, Henry Winkler was in a movie called Heroes. Yes, with I Sally, remember that. With, with Sally Fields, and yes. the movie ends with "Carry On My Wayward Son." And I didn't. I never heard that song on the radio or anything back then. And I was like, "Wow, I like that song." And I stayed and watched the credits, and it said "Carry On My Wayward Son" by Kansas. And I went and bought the album. And that's what made me a Kansas fan, because to this day, Left Overture is a fucking masterpiece, which uh, I'm going to go see them do it in its entirety a uh, week from this Friday. Well, there oh, you go. What size oh, venue? It's, it's, uh, it's a venue I've never been to yet. It's a brand new venue. and it's, Five it people. Looks like, it looks like, no, man, it's big. It looks like one of those, you know, performing art type places. Okay. No, the last time I saw Kansas was in a big place, man. Not an arena, but... A, a big, big place. They held about maybe three thousand. And they headlined. Yeah, man. Kansas, <laughs> Kansas, Kansas no, is still I'm big, not dude. No disrespect. I'm just, you know, it's, I don't. Kansas know. is still big, dude. They're still. No, they're still, I'm thinking like in, in, you know, I'm in the context of like San Francisco, where they could play here. You know, it's like I, I don't know. They probably have, dude, and you don't know about it. You know, probably but, right. I mean, this. The only reason I know Kansas is playing here is because they're on my Facebook, or else yeah. I, I don't see it promoted anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're yeah. not going to come to San Francisco. They're going to come to Sacramento. Is that where? Yeah. I think I, I know they're fantastic musicians, that's for sure. But yeah, I just, yeah, no, I just, that, it was a little bit. Different. Dude, Dream Theater sounds a lot like Kansas, man. There's I so hate much. Dream Theater. Oh, I just. They sound a lot all. like them, man. They do a lot of those well, things that Kansas. The, the one thing I could say with Dream Theater, uh, I, I, no. I love the music, but but sometimes the singer really gets on my nerves. Oh, the guy with the bald guy thinking he's got hair or whatever. I hate that guy. Well, let me tell you, man. Steve Walsh is a fucking amazing singer. And you guys are wrong if you fucking disagree with that. Uh, well, that guy's got a Well, I, I think Joe Walsh is a great guitar player. Well, so do I. Yes, yeah, so do I. All right. But well, it, Bill Wayne, why don't you plug your page? All right. My page is uh, on Facebook. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Metal and hard rock. Just put that in and... Uh, that's where I'm at. Right. And my it, lovely little wife, Gina Elizabeth. We were on that the show. The Queen. The Queen Elizabeth, yes. Yeah. Matter of fact, Queen the Queen, before I go here, you know, maybe I should do this off air, but she wanted me to ask Doc. A couple months ago, he played a Rush song. She hates Rush, okay? But she, he played a Rush song on the classic rock show pre, prior to the metal show. And she asked me, what did he play? I'm like, well, when was it? She says, like, two two months ago. And he said it was one of his favorite Rush songs. Oh, maybe Cinderella Man? 
Oh, is that okay? Yeah, she. Well, I know I played. Me to ask you that. (laughs) I know I played that uh, a few weeks ago. Cinderella Man, the pre. uh, Yeah, it must have been Cinderella Man because I I don't think I played any other Rush song uh, a couple weeks ago. No, it could have been that because you're not allowed to play that kind of shit on fucking that metal station. Yeah, but anyways, she asked me to ask you that. (laughs) Scott Green will fire your ass for that. All right. Well, that is our episode on uh, Rush Permanent Waves. It went platinum. And uh, damn, hard to believe it only went platinum. And now this fucking good should be like quadruple mm-hmm. fucking platinum. Uh, but damn it, I love this band. And there will be many more Rush episodes in the future that will all feature the genius of one Mr. Bill Wayne. Bam, oh. bam, bam! Awesome, thanks. <laughs> you mean I need a credit card for that? You need a big old credit card. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's let's not for, for let's, let's give some respect to Mr. Terry Brown, the producer yeah, of this brilliant producer, album, yeah. and all oh. the ones that we love. Oh, amazing! We got to bring him up because you know we have to out of respect. Well, I, I I think I think they lost a step when they went away from Terry Brown. Right after signals, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, I, you know what I'd love to see, because here's something they haven't rolled out. Is like doing some new music in the future, but not touring. Mm-hmm. But if they do one more album and just not tour, which I'm fine with, do it right. with Terry Brown. Yes, yes, yes. You know who's produced Voivod, who's produced uh, Faith right. Warning. Uh, you know, uh, the elder. No, <laughs> blame that shit. No, that was Bob the Ezra. brilliant Bob Ezra. Yeah, yeah. The elder rules. Yeah. Uh, but man, I would love to see them go out with Terry Brown. You yeah, know? absolutely. I just wanted oh to say that. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. To, to me, nobody has ever captured uh, true rush like Terry Brown. Nope. Ever, ever come yeah. close. And, uh, you know, I love Rupert Hines' production on Presto, but still, yeah. If Terry Brown was there, would have been a different record. Yeah. I probably would have loved it, you know, but Terry Brown. Fuck Peter Collins. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Peter Collins did uh, Counterparts, and I love that, so there you go. But, uh, no, Terry Brown and Rush should always go together the same way fucking Van Halen and Ted Templeman, you know. Right. There you go. Great analogy. Fantastic analogy. Uh, How many of those bands that we all love had the same producer for many, many albums? Yeah. I mean, there was a thing. There's like, here's somebody who understands the sound and and knows what to do. But, you know, every band gets to a point where they think they know better. Uh, But, hey, hats off to Metallica for finally getting rid of fucking Bob Rock. So, (laughs) you know. Sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah, they were just I in the studio with Fleming. That last, that last Metallica album is amazing. I just heard it yesterday. Still Fuck. awesome. Awesome. Still, such an awesome Who album. Who produced Hell the yeah. last one? That was uh... Terry Brown. Okay. <laughs> Bob Ezra. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to go. Bill get... Wang produced it. I got to go, kids. So let's get to well, the Well, what bucks. about Fan of the Week? Oh, Fan of the Week? I know you got to go, but can I do one more pick of the week? I'll be really quick about it. Yes, sir. Corvette Summer, the movie, is awesome. With Mark Hamill? 
Oh my God, what a great movie! And Annie Potts. Man, that movie rocks. I love that movie. Fuck yeah! I got I watched that DVD yesterday and I was like, God, this movie is so good. Because I remember seeing it in the theater as a little kid, so I ordered it on Amazon for like two bucks and I watched it. And I was like, Dude, this movie is still rocking. I love Corvettes. No, seriously, I used to watch that on HBO. I That's love a that great shit. movie. And Andy Andy Potts was a piece of ass. Yeah. Back in the day, and a lot of you guys know Andy Potts from uh, she was uh, the receptionist on Ghostbusters, but they made her look all nerdy. She was actually a very hot piece of A's. Oh hmm. yeah. Uh, Corvette Summer, go check it out. It's great. Yes. Aged well. Bill Wang. Yes. I'm gonna throw this to you. Yeah. Uh, because not only do you run your own mega successful uh, page, but you were also oh, yeah. very, very active on our, our our very smaller, insignificant rock and metal combat page. Uh, who is somebody that uh, you like seeing their posts on the rock and metal combat page? Who's somebody that yeah. that, that you enjoy their posts? Yeah, you uh, pick pick of the week. Uh. Evan Seagal. Evan right. Seagal. Seagal. Ju- that guy fucking yes. rules. Little Jew boy from California. Uh, wherever. Whatever he is, he's fucking awesome. Well, he's no, I, I, well I'm sorry. Seagal's a Jew name. You know, I'm you just, know, I know. I know you're being funny. But yeah, that guy. There's a lot of them. I mean, I've met. Yeah. I mean, my little. I had my shit before there was ever rock and metal combat podcast. But I'm going to tell you straight up. Ever since I have added people and met people from the rock and metal combat podcast it has made everything i've been involved 10 billion times better i've met some of the fucking coolest that have made everything i mean my page my just being friends with people because of that you guys' podcast i have met so many fucking people that have become my friends and you know they're just as much part of me as they're of you guys and i'm synonymous with you guys' uh, podcast been on yeah, so many times yeah so yeah, so I just want to give big ups to all all the all the rock and metal combat podcast fans. I mean, yes. it's like well, wow! That, that, I, that, I see some of the shit they do. It's like how cool. That that's a great pick. I I love him and his like little pseudo twin Eli Miller, who Eli Miller I consider my my internet son. But uh, Eli and fucking Evan are fucking amazing. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. Eli. I don't know him like I know Evan, but Eli fucking rules. He's basically a stud. Yeah, both those kids and it, and that generation loving of our kind of music. Oh yes. we grew up on. Yes, and, and that oh. does, that does give me very much hope because these kids not only do they love like classic hard rock, but they're also drug addicts at a very young age. So just like us uh, three. Yeah, you're tugging at my heart. And hey, look how we turned out. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. So keep doing those drugs and listen to good music. Yeah, fuck yeah. Rock and Mill Combat Podcast fans, the best on the fucking planet. And I've been on a lot of podcasts. They suck compared to Rock and Mill Combat Podcast. Place to be Dilly D. Bam! But enough about Thanks. Mark Striegel. <laughs> Today's his birthday, actually. I just it's got my a dad's notice. Birthday. It's my dad's oh, birthday. Oh, really? Happy birthday. Yeah. My uh, favorite lead singer of fucking Thrasher Dog. Fuck you. Okay, bye. <laughs> Fuck you. I love your dad. Your dad's got a passionate voice. I love it. I know, but I got an ego, remember? I know, but but I love you. And I cannot. A big old ego. <laughs> and, 
believe. And let me tell you something. Look, look. I'm gonna tell you this now. And may Black Sabbath, may Bill, may Bill Ward die in a fiery car crash. What? If I'm lying. The new Thrasher Die is the best shit I've ever done in my life. It is. It doesn't sound. It's. It's more precise. It's more brutal. It's more cutthroat. Now, my new guitar player sent me like these songs that I'm like, dude, I'm listening to them and I already hear the vocal melodies in my mind. I'm like, dude, we are going to destroy Melting Your Skull. It's called, We're gonna open up and it. say what the cat dragged in. We're going to call it uh, The Elder Rules. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, no, I cannot wait till March because I get to meet not only, you know, the third time hanging out with the great Dr. Fuck, I get to right. meet Fanny Vieira. And I get oh, yeah, to, yeah. And, oh, and, and I get to meet your parents, which yep. is awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, and and I need you to teach me Spanish so I can speak to your mother in her native tongue, which normally is like... <laughs> That's, that reminds me of your, your mom when she's on my car. <laughs> But no, seriously, I cannot wait to meet your parents, dude, as, as well as your brother. It is going to be such an epic visit. It's going to be awesome. By the way, David Cassidy died. Oh, he did? Yeah. And so did Mel Tillis. Oh, man. I know. It was, oh, wow. Man, and not Sammy Hagar. Why is, why is Malcolm Young dead and Sammy Hagar still alive? He's going to outlive also- you. You know who also died? You remember that older lady that yes. would always hit on Jack Tripper? Yes, Three's Company, yes. Yeah, yeah I know. And no, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought so many people would not remember her. I do remember her. And I saw yeah. it on the... But no, Dave, I would have fucked her. David Cassidy. You mean the, the lady that was always trying to fuck Jack? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she was a hot milf. Yeah, no. Yeah. She, no, but seriously, David Cassidy died. Yeah, man. Oh, that sucks. No, but but it's just, you know, it's one of those things, dude. It's like I grew up watching the Parker family, like coming home from school and watching that shit. And that motherfucker, oh, my God. His, with, at the time when he came out, he was a fucking god. Yeah, no, no, that guy was the Beatles in one. He would drive the chicks crazy. I want to tell you a story about David Cassidy. <clears throat> you know, remember, when I... I, I the parts of Stanley was on the air when I was a little kid. Right. I had this. Friday uh, nights, Brady Parts. I, I had this. Um, it was some kind of distant relative that I would stay with. That her whole whole fucking room was covered with uh, David Cassidy pictures. I mean, she loved David Cassidy Damn. so much. Today, she's a lesbian. <laughs> you know. You know what's weird is I heard. Uh, I, I just saw this like a couple of weeks ago that apparently David Cassidy did something so vile to Susan Day. Like she didn't talk to him from after the show ended till apparently till the day died. Wow. So I don't I don't know what he did. But yeah, she hated David Cassidy. But I, I mean, it's one of the, whatever he did. I mean, if he deserves it, he deserves it. But. David Cassidy, it's one of those that, like, I grew up with that shit. Fuck yeah. It's one of those things that makes you feel your own mentality. Like, when the mm-hmm. people, when, when, when it keep ha- it keep happening, like, all the people you grew up with are dying, it reminds you, like, fuck, how much time do we have? 
Like, we better record, like, three episodes next week, you know, because <laughs> David Cassidy's dead, you know? Like, oh, yeah. we got enough. We got enough episodes to seal our legacy, trust me. No, I, 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 I know, but it, like I said, it's weird. It's not like David Cassidy was any kind of fucking genius or anything, but it's like, I'm not going to say this motherfucker was a part of my childhood, you know? It's like, part of culture. Yeah, you know, it's just weird as... David Cassidy's dead. I mean, that motherfucker was like Dick Clark. You know, like he did Friday age. nights, man. Hey, Doc, Friday nights. You remember when it was a Brandy show. It was the Brady Bunch and Partridge Family. Yeah. Huh. Damn it. So. Well, I dedicate this episode to Ruby Kincaid and David Cassidy. But not da- Danny Bonaduce. No. He's, he's, he's a, a boot dude. Right? He beats up trannies. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, let's get to the plugs. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Earpillar. The podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about you haven't listened to mars attacks podcast what are you waiting for man host victor m ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal based podcasts you'll find everything from music based episodes interviews to series such as ultra sexy classic album series where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans, this is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, podcast crew along with the kiss room brings you kiss talk like no one else whether it be roundtables interviews with the band past and present analysis 
and great kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the kiss audio fanzine for your ears. All right, this is the Ayatollah Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, this is DJ Mac. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at mindovermetalpodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube. So check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news, discussion, and reviews. That's the Mind Over Metal podcast. Download it, subscribe to it today. Bangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then they repeat it on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. (laughs) Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, you're alive. Unlike David Cassidy. So come back next week. When what album is it? I don't know. We got a couple in the vault. And they're all quality. The Elder with Bill Wang. The <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> I'm absent next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'll call you next week, Bill. Goodbye. All right.